Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Okay, so what will we be talking about? Now, my title for this morning's message is um, God's Leading. Okay, God's Leading. Now, if you look at the definition of, of leading, it has this concept of guidance, a concept, a concept of showing the way to a specific destination. Okay? Um, and you can also see it as a, like a bit of a hand-holding. You know, somebody's leading you somewhere, they're holding your hand, and they're showing you, you know, this is the way. Now, if you're on social media, you know there are a lot of influencers and celebrities and, and all of that, and you can follow them, but do you know the destination that they are aiming for? Right? Do you know where they are going? Because if, you're not, if you don't know where they are going, then you can get hurt when they fall. Okay? Now, this is something me and my wife, uh, Nadine, up front, my beautiful wife, uh, we spoke about uh, in the week. And, you know, telling her that a certain dress looks nice on her, you know, made her feel good. And when she goes out, she doesn't care what other people think because her husband, who she values, you know, uh, uh, confided in her and told her that she's beautiful. And she places a value on what her husband says, Okay. Now, with, when it comes to, to, to leading and uh, following people that uh, don't have Jesus as their, as their savior, don't have Jesus as their destination, um, you can get hurt when you put value in them, right? And this example that I have is, is of a bow and arrow. Now, and a, a, a bow, if you look at the head, the head is pointing in a certain direction. It's got a certain target. And the body, or the rest of the, the arrow, follows that target. Okay? Now for us, who's the head? Jesus. And the target is kingdom. Okay, so when we follow Jesus and we know the direction, because Jesus is the direction, um, if we follow him, then we know where we're going. Okay, so Jesus is always going to lead us into kingdom things. Okay. Now why this topic... You know, I already said um, that I have a wife, so it means I'm, I'm married, and I've been married for a couple of months now. And one of the things that, you know, as a married man, all of a sudden I, I am the head of a family, which I've never been before. Okay, and that can be that can be quite intimidating. And if a guy says it's not intimidating, then he's lying, <laughs> because if you love your family, you don't want your family to get hurt, and you want to know what's best for them. Okay. If you want to know what's best for them, you need to, um, to hear from the Lord. With this added responsibility of being a husband, you know, what is, uh, if more responsibility can also equal more reward. Okay? Like if you look in a corporate world, the more responsibility you get, uh, normally the higher your salary is. But with more responsibility, like being a husband, being the head of a family, it also comes with, with a lot of reward. But if I want to experience that reward, I need to let God lead me because He is the constant. He is the thing that's going to always be the same. Okay, so with, with great responsibility can, comes great blessing, but we need to let God lead, lead us. 
And I've got a couple of questions, and you don't have to um, say this out loud because maybe you embarrass yourself. <clears throat> but the first one is, who is leading your life? Who is leading your life? Is it your family? Is it your wife? Is it your brother, your sister, your friend? And then a, a subsequent question to that is, if it's a person that you mentioned, are you truly submitted to their leadership? You know, are you truly submitted to the leadership? But here's the, here's the crux of it. What's the consequence when that person that you follow falls or fails? You, that you, you probably will fall with them. And we see this in the world, we see this in the world quite, quite often. Now, my goal this morning is to, to remind us that ultimately Jesus is the only consistent leader that we will have. And he will never fail. So that's comforting to me to know that in my walk with my wife and my new family and all of that, if I follow Jesus and he's the constant that will never fail, then I never have to fail. doesn't say there's going to be problems, but I, I don't have to fail. And Jesus has a plan for, for each of us. And I want us to, to be encouraged to seek his plan to seek his plan for us and then let him lead you into that plan. You know, sometimes we hear God speaking and when God says, do this thing, and then you turn your back and you go and do that thing without taking God with you. You're not letting him lead in, into it. And then you get upset, you, you become discouraged because it didn't work out. You thought you heard from God. You probably did hear from God, but he didn't let him lead you to that thing. And let God hold, hold your hand and lead you. Like I said in the beginning, the, the, the word leading, me, uh, having this connotation of a whole ending. Now, my, let me just think now, in Afrikaans and English, it's different, niece, cousin, and nephew, but my niece, which is my older brother's daughter, yeah, Chloe. Phew. Okay, so, so Chloe, I remember about, when she was about four or five years old, we went to this camping site, and they had one of these, uh, water, well, they had a couple of water slides. And there was the smallest one. Now, this smallest one, when you go down that smallest uh, water slide, you probably go down slower than what you could walk. So this is a baby one, okay? This is like a water slide that you just sit there and you wait for the water slowly to take you. And I asked her, I told her, let's go on this one. And when I looked at her, I still remember to this day, she had this fearful look on her face. And I was like, this, this caught me off guard. I'm like, wow, this is baby stuff. This, and she's not a baby, you know. And um, in that moment, I realized that she's fearful because she's never done this. She's never done this thing. So I told her, come, let's go together, and I'll hold your hand. And that hand holding gave her the comfort to do something that she wouldn't have done. Okay, so we went down, down the slide, and as she's looking at this, so she's fearful, but she's seeing the other kids come out on the other side, and they're having fun, and they're running back up, you know, so she knows there's something that she's fearful of, but there's some excitement, there's some reward at the end of it. It sounds a lot like our life as a Christian, right? Now, and then Amina, we go down the slide, and she's excited, and she wants to go, go again. So... With that, she was being stretched, you know, in her capacity. And God wants to stretch us, right? God wants to say, okay, now you're at this step. Here, my son, here, my daughter, here's the next step. 
And then you get that fear, like, Lord, ooh, that's, that's too big. But now remember, from God's perspective, He's looking at it like I was looking at this slide. I'm like, whoa, this is a piece of cake. Why are you scared? Now, from God's perspective, he's gonna, he, he understands that. He understands that that thing is, is big for you. But He's going to say, okay, hold my hand, let's do it together. And at the end of it, you grow and you, you're experiencing life with God and you can enjoy it. So, <clears throat> I'm going to start with, um, like the first question I asked, who leads your life? And we're going to look at the story of David, and there should be some scriptures up soon, but um, I just first want to just kind of give you like an overview of David. So David was, as we all know, the, the guy that slayed Goliath, you know, he became a king, he was a well-respected man, you know, King David. And then at one day, he was on the on the rooftops and he saw a... A married woman, um, beautiful married woman, and then he ends up committing adultery with her. And then she becomes pregnant, and David kind of like wants to uh, put some plan together to kind of keep it hush-hush because he's, he's obviously king, reputation is on, uh, on, on the line here, and then he ends up murdering the husband. <laughs> okay, And then to make matters even worse, the the uh, the baby that um, Bathsheba is the lady that he, he um, slept with. The um, baby then actually dies. Okay. So this is a, a tragic result of not following God's leading. Now I'll just say in the meantime, this David didn't have God living inside of him. You know, so we didn't have to experience this to realize that hey, God, you'd rather lead me. Um, but the result of not allowing God to lead can be tragic. But luckily for David, this is not the end. So in the second Samuel 12, verse 13, <clears throat> David, he, he realizes his mistake and then he starts um, changing. Okay, so it says, um, then David confessed to Nathan. And Nathan was a prophet or a messenger that confronted David about the stuff he did wrong. Uh, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes. Ooh, I must make it smaller. Yes, but the Lord has, given, has forgiven you and you won't die for the sin. So David is coming to, to realize his mistake. And I think it's the same for all of us. We need to be honest with ourselves. If this morning you are sitting there and you're hearing about God leading your life and you you not truly be honest in saying to yourself, God is not leading my life. I'm not allowing to leave a God, uh, to let God uh, lead me. Like, be honest. Realize that, you know, not my way. Let's, let's rather do God's way. And David came to realize this, and you're going to see this story develop. So he's committed all these, these sins. He realizes his mistake. And then in Psalm 51, verse 1 to 4, um, which David also wrote, he says, um, uh, have mercy on me, O, Lord, uh, o God, <clears throat> because of your unfailing love. Now David is already, you know, you can see he's, a, he's, a, he's begging, you know, he's begging for God's mercy because he's dealing with his conscience of committing the sin, okay? Um, and then he says, Bec uh, have mercy on me, O Lord, uh, because of your unfailing love. And I just want to pause there. The first thing of David's turning around is realizing God has unfailing love for him. Okay, so realizing that God has unfailing love for him 
allows him to change. And then the verse goes on. Because of great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. There it comes in again. Recognize my rebellion, Lord. I'm recognizing that, I've God, you're not leading me. I'm not allowing you to lead me. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. And if we go down to verse 12, <clears throat> it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, we as Christians, we can't lose our salvation, but it was different for David. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. So there was a change in, in David's heart when he experienced God's unfailing love for him. And that changed his heart to want to have a heart where he, he wants to be willing to obey God. Okay. And now David starts doing this, and in Psalm 52 verse 8, David starts thriving because he's obeying God. He says, But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. So he recognizes that he thrives in the house of God as he trusts and obeys God. And that's one part of the leading, uh, the leading, or letting God lead you. The one part is obeying, but the other part is hearing. And we're going to get into that a bit later. But the point here is that uh, David recognized God, his unfailing love, and then obeyed him. And obeying, guys, is, is literally just cooperating with God. It's not keeping rules. It's cooperating with God. Okay. Now, the awesome thing is that we can see that David, we can all agree that David was lacking wisdom, right? But you know how God made such a good thing out of all of this. The, so the first child with Bathsheba passed away, but the second child was Solomon, King Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, which is known as the wisest man you know, in, the, in the word. So it just shows you that from somebody that lacked wisdom, that had a change in heart, that started obeying God, was able to raise somebody that's known for their wisdom. You know, that's God turning things to the good. Okay. <clears throat> now, like I said, David uh, lacked wisdom. And in James 1, verse 5 to 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. just want to pause there. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. I wonder if David actually asked the Lord, Lord, should I sleep with this woman? <laughs> I don't think he asked that, right? Okay, so you, you guys start already getting what I'm aiming at. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I think we can really relate with this, like, to, to, to ask ourselves this question, like, am I asking God for wisdom? I have this situation, I'm trying to figure it out, but are you asking God? And then the second part of that is, and this, this is probably also what we all can relate to, is God tells you something, and you know it's God, and then you do the opposite. And this is what this verse is talking about when he's saying about a double-minded man. Okay, so the, dou the, the, the double-minded man, or the result of it being a double-minded man, 
is instability. At the end it says, unstable in all his ways. Okay. Now, there's, uh, I just want to share this example. When, when COVID hit, um, there were th two things that God uh, shared with me and told me to do, which was contrary to what the world was saying. The, God was telling me, invest more money and give more towards the kingdom. You know, when everybody, you know, what, what do you want to do when, when, when COVID started? It became tough. Like, hold on to your money. God was telling me the opposite. And that's, now in that moment, I could doubt, Lord, I'm not sure. Are you, are you right? Are you, are you sure, Lord? But obeying Him, it ended up very fruitful in many different aspects that, that I can share with you. But I'm just uh, sharing that example that we can hear from God and obey Him. Okay. Now, <clears throat> linking in with this verse, um, one, uh, James 1 verse 5, it says, if any, if any of you lacks wisdom, now what, what is that wisdom? Okay, what is that wisdom? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24 says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Okay, now I'm a logical man. This is saying Christ equals the power of God. Christ equals the wisdom of God. Now David didn't have Christ, but we have Christ. So we've got Christ's mind, so we have the wisdom of Christ in us. And all it is when we're asking God for His wisdom... All he is going to uh, help us do is to align our minds with Christ. That is, that is all it is. So God, you go to God, God, I need wisdom. He's going to tell you who you are in Christ. He's going to align your mind with Christ. And he was going to, you know those um, bangles or whatever you have, like what would Jesus do? You know, it's like, it's kind of like that. He's going to say, but what, the Christ in you, what would that Christ do? Oh, this and this and this. Now you go and do it because you are a Christian. You are a, a, a you are in Christ. Um, <clears throat> so we align our minds with Christ. That's wisdom. Philippians two verse two says, "Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind." So when we focus on Jesus. Right, he's going to replace that double-mindedness with single-mindedness, with like-mindedness, with one-mindedness. And I don't know if those are actual words, because it sounds weird, mindedness. And remember, what does double-mindedness bring? Instability, unstable in all your ways. What does single-mindedness bring? Stability. Okay. Like I said, it doesn't mean there's not ups and downs. But inside you can be stable. Okay? And that is the, the like, I almost want to say that's the true mark of a, of a Christian. Doesn't matter what happens to them, they can be stable in their ways. Okay, what are, what are some of the benefits to being led by God or being submitted to God? Proverbs uh, 3, verse 5 to 6 says, um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path, uh, path straight. So there are benefits of being led or being submitted to God, acknowledging God. Now, I like how this translation says, it, says uh, it 
He will make your path straight. It doesn't say it won't be, there won't be ups and downs, but it will be straight. Now, if you're thinking, if you're driving somewhere far you, and you've been on those long roads, you know, goes up and down, but you can get there straight because that's the quickest way you can get to your destination and the most effective way. And with this straight life, it's also a purposeful life or a purpose-driven life. And God wants to be the driver. God wants to be the driver of this life, and he wants you to ride along, to ride along, or to, to be the one that plays the music, or the responsible for the, for the DJ in the, in the car. So, just want to recap a couple of things. We decide who leads us. If we, if we uh, um, lean on our own understanding or the world's wisdom, we're going to be unstable and unsatisfied. But when we come to uh, recognize that we weren't designed to live our own lives, we can let God direct our lives, and we can let that lead to thriving and fruitful lives. Okay, so how does God lead us? <clears throat> Let's look at that. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. The first thing that God is going to lead us with is through His Word. <clears throat> Um, this verse says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture, for it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. God leads us through his word. And the word actually says that Christ is the word. You know, in the beginning was Christ, and Christ was the word, that, that whole scripture. So if you are struggling to hear from God in your relationship, in your prayer time, go to the word. It's Holy Spirit inspired. You know, that's how God uh, spoke to his people before his spirit was living in his people. Okay? And his word gives us direction. Now, I, I want to use this example. I like to watch movies at home. <clears throat> Not that many, so I don't have an addiction or anything. But I love watching movies at home. But, you know, sometimes you, you might have the dishwasher on or the tumble dryer or the, you know, something noisy. And I'm a guy, when I watch a movie, you can ask my wife, like, I need to be in it. Like, I'm going to block you out. Like, I want to, I'm just like that. And it always... Uh, like irritates me when, when there's like some distraction on the side. But what I've learned is I can put on the subtitles. Okay? I can go to the written text. And it's the same for me like with God. Like if I struggle to hear from him in the natural, like in my relationship, I go to the text. I go to his word. Okay, so I want you guys to have that picture. If you struggle to hear, <coughs> sorry, if you struggle to hear from God, put on the subtitles. Go to his word. And the other thing that the subtitles allows us to do, it, has, it allows us to watch a, f a movie in a foreign language. Okay? Because the subtitles can be English, but the, the movie can be in a foreign language. And I sometimes find these Korean movies like, like it's really good movies. Like I go on IMDb and the rating is eight stars, but I'm like, but it's in Korean. But then, Putting on the subtitles, I can actually enjoy it. I, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm in the movie. I'm, I'm, I'm receiving. And God's word is like that as well. 
it can translate whatever you are reading in this word to be applicable to the situation that you are going through. Okay, so sometimes people use this excuse, oh, but the word was written so many thousand years ago, it's not applicable anymore. No, God's spirit can translate that to be applicable to your current situation. There is no new problems in this world that has never been seen. Jesus has overcome all the problems, and in his word, he gives us all the solutions. Now, <clears throat> obviously, if you're struggling to hear from God, go to, go to the subtitles, go to his word. But before you can hear from God and be led by God, you need to receive his spirit. Romans 8, verse uh, 14 to 16. <clears throat> the true children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. So if you want to be led by God, you need to be his child. No? You need to have his spirit. You need to be born again. It's obvious. Um, the spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children, and with that spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself speaks to our spirits and makes us sure that we are God's children. So, like, firstly, you need to receive his spirit, but look at the last part. And the spirit himself speaks to our spirits. So if you have God's spirit, does God speak to you? Okay, so there's a verse that if you say God doesn't speak to me, then, then you're saying that this verse is, is, is false. This verse is saying, and the Spirit himself speaks to our spirit and makes us sure that we are children. So God, when God speaks to you, he's continually going to make you sure that you are his child. Okay, so it's always going to be uplifting. It's always going to be affirm affirmative words. Okay? <clears throat> but... We need to be sensitive to His Spirit. And I think that's where we, we kind of miss it sometimes. Be sensitive to His Spirit and be aware that we have His Spirit. You go to, into some, like the guys going to Albania, they are not, they're not leaving the God's Spirit here in Africa. They're taking His Spirit with, him, with them. Okay. But they need to be aware of that Spirit. And I just want to share two things that, that helped me hear from God. And the first one is, um, I've titled it, I am God's dwelling place. And the second one is, shut the door. I want to give you some, something to look forward to. Shut the door. Um, the first one, I am God's dwelling place. Now, in Exodus 25, God gives Moses an instruction to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle is, is like a building or a tent. And that, uh, in that time, God didn't dwell inside man. God was dwelling in certain places. And God gives Moses an instruction to build a tabernacle according to certain requirements or standards or whatever. And that is where God's presence is then going to be. He's going to move into that tabernacle. Okay. Now, <clears throat> let's read verse uh, Exodus 25, verse 8 and verse 22. So it says, And let them make me a sanctuary. This is now after giving instruction to Moses. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary, a tabernacle, that I may dwell among them. If we go down to verse 22, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. Now, do you guys agree with me that where God dwells, if you look at those two verses, I may dwell among them 
<clears throat> and I will speak with you. That where God dwells is where he speaks. You guys agree with that? Okay. The question, <clears throat> where does God dwell for the believer? In, yeah? So where does God speak? Inside of us. Okay. You guys are doing well. A plus. So God dwells inside of me. We are occupying the same space. Now, me and my wife, we live together, we dwell together, we are occupying the same space. We can hear each other because we are occupying the same space. Okay, so She can hear me, I can hear her. And it's actually funny, um, the reason why I wasn't here last week is because I lost my voice. And even when I was whispering, my wife was able to hear me. And that, that, that's, that still amazes me, because I couldn't even hear myself properly. But, um, but what I'm just saying is that you can, when you're dwelling with somebody, when you're sharing the same space, you can hear that person speak, even if it's soft. Okay? So if, if God dwells in me, then I can hear him speak. And sometimes we just need to believe that. I think that's where our minds miss it. You know, we, we struggle to hear from God because we actually don't believe that he's speaking to us. But he, uh, he is. I mean, this is, this is what his word was saying, what we, what we read just now. If you're born again, he speaks to you. Where he dwells, he speaks to you. Just believe that he speaks to you. Okay. Um, sometimes we just need to make more space in our minds for God to speak to us. You know, if I start putting all these furniture in the, in the house and just stack it, I'm going to struggle to hear my voice. But if I make space, take it out, make it less cluttered, then I'm going to hear my, my wife better. Okay, and then the second one is um, <clears throat> shut the door. So first one is that to, uh, to help us un um, hear from God is to know that God dwells in us and he speaks to us. And the second one is shut the door. Matthew 6 verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father, to your Father who is in secret. Now, I don't, I don't believe that this scripture is saying this is, how, this is the only way that you speak to God. You have to go into a room and shut the door. Because then we can't pray here. Okay? But what this is saying is shut out the distractions. So that picture in that time, maybe it was in that way that to shut out distractions, you close your door so that the voices don't disturb you. So that you can actually hear from God. So it's shutting out the distractions that allows us to hear from God. Because remember, he's always speaking. Okay. Who of you have uh, the do not disturb feature on your phones? Do not disturb. Or like some mode that blocks out all notifications. Shame. We'll get, we, have to, we have to talk. So, <clears throat> if I, um, like let's say an example, like as I was preparing for this word, I put my phone on to do not disturb. So that means I get no notifications. But I can, in this feature, I can list the people I want to allow through this feature so that I, I will still be disturbed. Okay? So I've put, obviously put my wife on there. So if I put my phone on do not disturb and she phones me, I'll get the call. I'll hear her. I won't hear anybody else. Okay? And that's the same that we can do. 
put on the do not disturb feature. Like, God, I'm just going to hear from you. I'm going to block out all the other noises. They just don't matter. I'm going to put you on my, what's it, family list or favorite. Yeah, that's what they call it. I'm going to put you on my top favorite. Okay, I'm going to put you on speed dial also <laughs> while I'm at it. So that when you speak, I can hear you. And all the other voices and all the other notifications are drowned out. Now, what does God sound like? <clears throat> what does God sound like? Like, how do you? Hmm? It sounds like you. Because he's, he's dwelling with you. He's sharing the space with you. And, and what, now being married, I also realize that me and my wife, we start talking similar. It's weird. It's weird when I, when I go to speak to other people that, that don't know me or I haven't seen in like a year's time. They're like, who's this speaking? Um, but yes, it's, you're right. It, it's going to sound like our own voice. But how do we know if it's him? And how do we know it's him? When God speaks to us, what he speaks to us is always going to align with his word. It's always going to align to his word. But if we look at the next verse there, verse, um, Mark 4, verse 19, I think I put it separate. Ah, yes, we got it. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. <clears throat> so, if God only speaks things that he, that, con that he confirms in his word, and you, you read this verse that says there are things that can choke the word, okay, it means there are things, excuse me, that can make me doubt whether it's God or not. So I can hear from God and say, yes, this aligns with the word. And then I have all these distractions, like it's listed here, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, uh, desires for other things. And those things then start to make me doubt, like, but did I hear from God? You know, so that can choke out the word. Okay. Those are just, just two things that are um, on hearing from God that I want to share with you. But the other way that God also leads us is through leaders. I already shared the thankfulness for leaders because, you know, if it wasn't for leaders, then the church would, wouldn't exist today. And Jesus himself raised up 12 leaders. And they themselves then raised up others, you know. That's how God's king, um, kingdom grows. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 13, it says, <clears throat> And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the, min of the saints, for the ministry, oh, for the equipping of the saints for the, for the work of ministry. I've, um, I've got some other translation mixed up where they say it differently. So what is the works of ministry? Because that's what the leaders are supposed to equip us in. The works of ministry is reaching the lost, making disciples, building kingdom, building community. Okay? And then it goes on, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And the knowledge of the Son of God is understanding who you are in Christ. So if your leader or the person that is leading you is not doing those two things, is not equipping you for the ministry, reaching the lost, making disciples, building community, and is not uh, uh, helping you to grow in your understanding of who you are in Christ, then maybe you should find somebody else to, to lead you. 
because their destination doesn't align up with Jesus' destination. You're not, the same, you're not in a part of that same arrow, you know? You're not part of the Jesus arrow. Now, <clears throat> I've experienced the most growth when I became submitted to Etienne, who's a, who's a pastor at this church. Etienne is not perfect, but he's a great leader and he's also a great follower. And that's one of the things that's very important. Like, somebody can be a great leader, but if they're not a great follower, what happens? They can easily then go off the path, and then you end up following them on the wrong way. And then Paul obviously uh, also encourages us to only follow people as they are following Christ. Okay. Now, in, in, in God's kingdom, leadership isn't a like in the corporate world where there's a hierarchy. You know, you've got your directors and executives and senior management and like that. But in God's kingdom, it's family. You know, so God's leadership in the church through leaders is done in love and grace. But with, with love and grace also comes correction. And that's maybe the part that we don't always want to, to experience because I've had that done. I've had correction. I'm very thankful for that. It's tough in the moment when, when somebody corrects me because we have all these reasons for why we did this and we kind of justify ourselves. But if it doesn't align up with our true nature in Christ, it's good for us to hear the truth. Right? It's good for us to hear the truth. Look at um, John 1 verse 17. <clears throat> that is... The law was given to us through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So yes, our leaders can lead us in grace, but they also need to tell us the truth. They also need to show us, listen here, Bertu, you're not living up to who you are. You know who you are in Christ. <laughs> I'm not really correcting Bertu now, but just using him as an example, he can take it. <clears throat> but our leaders are there to also correct us. But the balance must be there, grace and truth. So you don't just Bible bash someone and say, yeah, the word says this, you are doing wrong. You, you can approach them in this way. You can say, you know, you, you, can, you can love on them, know that they love you. Through that relationship, you tell them, here's an area that, I, yeah, that you can probably improve on. And then they say, but you know what? I'm going to do it with you. Let's go together. Let's encourage one another. Let's do it together. Right? Um, and we need to hear the truth because the truth is what sets us free. And a good leader wants to see those that are following them as free. They want to see the followers free. They want, don't want bondage. But the leaders will challenge us. So God dwells in us. We can hear his, him speak. And he leads us through his word, his spirit, and through other leaders. Now, what does God lead us into? That's an important question, because we need to know what God is leading us into. It's only good things, guys, so you don't have to worry. <clears throat> so first, God leads us into rest and righteousness. Psalm 23. And this happens to be the same David that we spoke about earlier. Okay, he wrote this. Psalm 23, verse 2 to 4, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. I just there, that already sounds like a picture of rest. I would love to go lie down this afternoon in green pastures. <laughs> he leads me beside still waters. 
Now in the Hebrew, it actually talks about waters of rest. That's still waters. Now I've I've heard this explained to me before. If you look at if you look at still waters, what do you see? You you see your reflection. Okay? So God, when he leads you uh, next to still waters, he's actually showing you who you really are. You know, it's like a mirror. And the word actually says that the word is a mirror to show us who we really are. So God is going to lead you into that place of rest. He's going to show you your righteousness because that's where you are. He's going to re-emphasize your righteousness, your wholeness. He's going to tell you that you are a new creation. Yes, maybe you stumble, maybe you fall every now and again, but he's going to reaffirm you that you are his creation. Now, rest isn't laziness, guys. <clears throat> don't, don't get confused. How, how can I say that? Let's continue. It says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. My wife went on a hike yesterday while I was preparing, and she took some paths. Of, not, not righteousness on a, on a mountain, but she took some paths, and that's work. Right? Going down, it's going to lead you in which path to take, but there's some work involved. And then it goes on, even though I walk through the valley, walking is work. You know, he starts off by, yeah, let's go lay down a bit. Let me, sh- let's, he starts by, let, uh, uh, let's go lay down in the green pastures. You know, that's rest, I'm not doing any work. Then he shows you in the mirror, in the still waters where you are. And then he says, come, let's go walk that path. Okay. Um, yeah, rest, rest is knowing that you are righteous and living it out. And if you're not experiencing rest, which is something that, that, that um, David also experienced as he was going through all this condemnation and his, his guilty conscience, and he writes in Psalm 55 the following. <clears throat> Verse 22, he says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And then the word righteous comes up again. You know, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I think when we lose our rest is when we start taking on burdens and responsibilities that's not our, ours to, to carry. Okay? I've heard this example, and I don't know which pastor this is. When you can, if you know it, let me know. But I can't remember his name, but he was, his church was, building, it was burning down. And we were standing in front of his church, and he was looking at his church. And his first response was, God, you have a problem. And when the first time I heard it, I almost thought, yo, that's blasphemy. How can you say that? But to be honest, who does the church belong to? It's God's problem, but he uses his children and works through his children to to correct it. So it's it's not blasphemy or against God to to tell him, Lord, this is your problem. You know? Let's say let's say my, my wife uh, treats me badly, which she doesn't, but let's she then I'm gonna say, Lord, that's your problem. You, you deal with her. I'm gonna talk to you, Lord. You tell me if there's anything I must do, but it's not my problem. Okay. It's because when we take it upon ourselves, that's when we start getting um, or um, feeling the burden. 
So it's God's responsibility to lead us, and it's our responsibility to hear and obey Him. I'm going to ask you this question. Who is my wife's provider? <clears throat> I'm not my God's provider. Uh, I'm not my God's provider. Yo. <laughs> um, God is my wife's provider, but the awesome thing is that He wants to provide for my wife through me. All I do is I hear from Him, and He tells me how to do that. But ultimately, he is responsible to provide for her because he knows I can't handle that burden 24-7. You know, like, oh, I need to provide, I need to make sure this, this, and this. That's going to that's gonna take my focus off my relationship with God. God. God wants me to prioritize him, and through that, I will love my wife the right way. Okay. Something else that I, that I recently I was, was ministered by <clears throat> is this. God leads his children into fruitfulness, not productiveness. Okay. This, this verse was actually shared this morning as well. Um, Luke 10, verse 38 to 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. You all know the story, right? So she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Let me ask you this. Is it good to prepare a meal for Jesus? Is it good to serve Jesus? Yes. Okay. Um, then look what happens. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Look at, look at Martha. Martha is telling Jesus what he must do. <laughs> okay? From works, if, if your heart is in a works mentality, you end up getting the cart in front of the horse. You end up getting things mixed up. You start telling God, God, do this. God, I want this in my life. You know, you start doing that. Okay? Um, then the Lord replies, <clears throat> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Mary chose something better. Martha was doing a good thing, preparing for Jesus, serving Jesus. But in that moment, that time that they were in, it was better to sit at Jesus' feet. Because, because what Mary was doing is she was prioritizing a relationship with God. Okay. Martha was being productive. She was being, doing good things. But Mary was learning how to be fruitful, which is better than being productive. Why is it better? Because productiveness has to do with works, has to do with tasks but it doesn't reproduce. But, but fruitfulness has to do with seed, and seed reproduces. Guys, the, the fruit that we are eating today came from the seeds that, Jesus, uh, that God created when he created the earth way back. That same fruit. There's no new seeds that's, that, that God is dropping on the earth from somewhere, right? 
Seed produces fruit, it produces seed, it produces fruit, it produces seed, and so on. So fruitfulness is better than productiveness. Okay? And Mary being submitted to God brought her fruitfulness. And what does this fruitfulness look like? What does the fruitfulness, when we spend time with Jesus, what does that fruitfulness look like? And the word says that it looks like loving one another. And how do we as a church love one another? And those are those three pillars that we stand on. By evangelizing, by reaching the lost, by making disciples, and by building community. That's how we show love to others. But to do it in balance. Like God is a God of balance. He's going to lead you into balance. Now I want to talk about this example of a, a prey versus predator. Not this prey. The prey in the animal kingdom. So in the animal kingdom, you see... So let, let's, say, let's take lion, ugh, lions, cheetahs, and what do they eat? Springboks. Okay? Let's say that's... I can't think of a better example. Yeah, let's say they eat the zebra. Now... If the prey dominate, if they, oh sorry, if the predator, if there's too many predators, then they eat a lot of the prey, and the prey ends up dying off, which means there's not enough food to sustain the other predators anymore. So they end up dying off, and then when they get less, the prey is able to come up again and to multiply and you know be fruitful. So even in the, in in the animal kingdom, not God's kingdom, but in the animal kingdom, we see balance, but in God's kingdom there's also balance. And what I mean with this is as a ministry, we don't just focus on one of those pillars. It's not just the one. We balance all three of them. Like Etienne uses this example of a tripod. You know, and if, if one of the legs is shorter, then the tripod topples over. Okay? And think about this. <clears throat> if if we just focus on evangelizing, then our church ends up with a lot of babies. Born again. If you're born again, then you're a new believer, you're a baby, right? But babies, they can't grow if there's nobody to teach them. If we just focus on discipleship, then yes, we have a lot of mature believers that know the word, but when we die, there's nobody to, to fill in. So the kingdom also starves. And we, if we just focus on community, then it's just a party. And we all know how that ends. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so the first one that we spoke about was uh, reaching the lost. It says in verse um, 1 Peter 3 verse 15, it says, But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, Always be ready to explain. What is the hope living within you? Mm -hmm. Anybody from the back? Christ, yes. So Christ is the hope within us. And that is what the guys are sharing in Albania. That's what they're going to be sharing. They're going to share, be sharing the hope inside of them, which is Christ, the anointed one. Okay? And them going out is belief in action because God's Spirit is going to lead you into action, believe it or not. When you submit to God, He's not going to tell you, you know, He's going to give you rest, but it's not the rest of, I can sit at home. God is going to challenge you, He's going to stretch you. But 
the guys aren't just going to go out to Albania and Bible bash people. Say, oh, this is what the word took. This is what the word, no, you are wrong. They're going to have comp compassion. Another translation actually puts this verse up as um, <clears throat> with gentleness and respect. Tell them about the hope. Okay? And I want to challenge you with this as well. Well, let me, first say, let me first say it like this. We're not called to Bible bash people. We're called to love people. And through that, we get to share. So when they go out to Albania, they're going to build connections with people. They're going to value people first. They're going to become their friend. And then they're going to share. Okay, that is how we, we are. That's also how we build churches. That is what Jesus did. He went to the disciples. Hey, Tommy, you want to join me? No. But I'm going to get to a part of that uh, soon. But I also want to challenge you with this is, this verse is saying that people will ask you for the hope. Are you living out your identity in such a way that people are asking you about the hope that, that they see in you? Now, are you being asked, hey, what's, what's different about you? Why are you like this? Why don't you get worried when this happens? And that is a challenge. That is a challenge for us. <clears throat> God also leads us to discipleship. In Acts 4 verse 13, it says, The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to, dis to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Spending time with Jesus is going to have an effect on you, and other people will notice it. You're going to become... You're going to look like Jesus, right? You're going to become mature. And that is what a disciple is. is somebody that starts looking like Jesus. Now, I have this picture of, I can just imagine this, like Jesus with the disciples, he teaches them during the day, he does some miracles, you know, small stuff. And then at the end of the day, Jesus goes and he goes and spends time with the Father and the disciples sit around a campfire and they're discussing, you know, what did Jesus do there? What did Jesus do? Why did he do this? And that is a lot of what discipleship looks like. You know, it's the other believers coming together and discussing the word, discussing um, our identities. And us spending time with Jesus will cause us to love one another. That's just a natural byproduct. And if you go to John 13, yeah, it's also there. John 13 verse 35, it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. I read that quicker than I wanted to. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Spending time with Jesus will uh, cause you to love other people and that will cause you to have a concern about other people's growth. And that is when you know in your heart if you're being a disciple is when you start being concerned about other people's growth in the Word. You know? And practically, if you're seeing somebody that's, that's struggling, they, they're struggling to, to, to grasp some com concept or some doctrinal thing or they, or they don't understand the Word, set up time with them. Go through it together. Discuss it together. You know? um, study the Word together. And as we, as we grow together, the kingdom also grows. Okay, as, as the church grows together, the kingdom also grows. And then just the last one, 
that we did um, reaching the last, uh, making disciples, and last one is um, leads us to community. It says in Hebrews 10 verse 25, so God leads us to community. It says, we must not quit meeting together as some are doing. Now we need to keep on encouraging each other. Now, if you're not feeling encouraged, maybe you're not meeting together. And I feel this is a word for, for, for some of us. Like, the church and meeting together and being in community is there to encourage you. Obviously encourage you in the word, but also doing life together. Somebody needs help, you are there. I know how to fix this, let me help you. Right? I like what um, ben, ben shared a couple of weeks ago. He was sharing on, on community as well. And he said that you are called to this church. Okay, so if you are here and you believe you belong to this church and God has called you here, this is where you get your encouragement from. Okay? And we are here to encourage one another. There's a mutual encouragement that happens in community. It's, it's not nice when, when you go to a party and everybody talks to you. But when there's a mutual thing where everybody talks to everybody else, that's nice. That is spurring one another on. That allows me, like, hey, me and Berta has a good relationship. I will allow him to tell me something about me. You know, something maybe I'm doing wrong or even improve on this because I'm having a relationship with him. Okay? And that community also brings that. Now, what can make us quit meeting together? <clears throat> Look at the next verse there. Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 16. <clears throat> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. When you, we view other people just on their, their outward appearance, their, their faults, what they do, that will very easily stop you from meeting with them. You know, we in, 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 in this church, we're not all perfect. We, we have flaws. We have... Um, you know, maybe there's areas in our lives where we can all improve, but we can uh, spend time together and grow together and have community together. Okay. But if we are viewing one another just on the outside, then we're going to struggle. And the thing is, every spiritful believer can minister to, to anyone. The person that you maybe see as the least um, mature or whatever, you can still receive from them because they've got God's Spirit in them. Maybe that one day they're actually listening to the Lord and giving you a word, and you're on the receiving end, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to, and you're missing out. Okay. <clears throat> and here's something encouraging. Think of it. We are, if you are born again, and I trust that all of you are, and if you're not, you can come up afterwards, but if you are born again, we are all going to spend eternity with one another. Whether you like me or not, you're stuck with me. Get used to it, yeah. Get used to it. Start seeing the spirit man inside of me, because that's the man that's going to live forever. Don't see the outside of me. Start seeing the spirit man inside of me, because we are really going to spend eternity together. And just the last one, uh, Jesus we're coming to a close. I'm sorry for going over time. But Jesus leads by example. If we look at those three pillars, he's, he calls the disciples, firstly, 
which I believe is that community aspect. He calls them, come and join me. I've got something fun for us. Then he does life for them. He teaches them. Okay? He's leading them. That's discipleship. And then he goes and sends them out into the world, which is evangelism, reaching the lost. So Jesus leads us by his own example. God leads us into rest, a place where we know we are righteous. And from that place, we are able to reach the lost, disciple each other, and build community. And just in concluding, like, ask yourself, like, where are you in all of this? Like, maybe there's an area in your life where you like, okay, you know, I should be letting God lead me more. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ. So if you've got God's Spirit in you, there's no condemnation. But just, just know this, that God dwells in you, and maybe you just need to bit, make a bit more space. Make a bit more space in your life. And as He's leading you into rest, He's also leading you into greater fruitfulness. And guys, all this really is, is literally just inviting God into each area of your life. That's how you start. God, I'm inviting you into my work environment. I'm having trouble with a certain colleague. Show me how to minister to him. Show me how to be Jesus to him. Show me how to change the situation. And God will absolutely do it. Remember, he says, ask, and I'll give you my wisdom. I'll, I'll align your mind with Christ, and you'll end up being like-minded and doing the things of Christ. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.